welcome to the People Doing Good podcast. I'm Mariah Volk. And I'm Jerry Robinson. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, we are all about spreading positivity by sharing stories of people doing good. We, Jerry and I found there was a lot of negative news rolling around out there and we wanted to create a place where people could come to listen to something good, simply about people doing good. So we're excited today. It's the launch of season three. Yes, right. The season three Big Bang kickoff. As Big I call Bang it. kickoff. Big That's Bang. Kick it good off with some flavor. flavor. Well, flavor because our guest today is none other than Mr. Guy Fieri of Flavortown. Yes, the mayor of Flavortown. And he is definitely the real deal, people. Oh, boy. I can't wait to share this interview with you. We were invited to Guy's house. We got to chill in his kitchen and just chat and so you know we're really focused on what guy does in the community that's good so we hope you enjoy the interview but we have a couple things to get to first number one you just heard our new jingle and i thought it was really cool what about you jerry i love it it's kind of like you know this is who we are and this is how we're going to be and people will have an opportunity to recognize the jingle and realize it's coming from the People Doing Good podcast. That's right. And and thank you to my dad, Barry Volk, who wrote that jingle with his band, The Dirt Roosters. These guys are straight out of Mendocino. And The Dirt Roosters are a really cool band of nice people. And Barry, my father's been doing jingles for like 25 years with Sound Advantage, his company. So thanks, Dad. It's a family affair now, Jerry. Oh, like sliding the family stones. It's a family <laughs> affair from the Volk family in Mendocino <laughs> County. That's right. We're representing. So anyway, this is the portion of our, our podcast where we catch up with each other, Jerry, and find out what's been going on. Like, what's been going on with you? Tell me what you've been up to. We were off for two weeks. So. Yeah, well, you know, the, the last two weeks I got together and had a chance to go up to a cabin in Carnelian Bay in Tahoe and spend some time surrounded by palm, not palm, well, there were palm trees too, but it was more pine trees. And you could just, you know, in the smell, and then you, you could see Lake Tahoe. And anyway, um, one day the kids came up with an idea, let's go for a walk around the neighborhood. I'm like, speaking to neighborhoods, okay, I'm from a neighborhood too, but this neighborhood's <laughs> quite different than mine, so growing up. So when, I thought we were just going for a little walk, and all of a sudden someone came up with this idea, let's, let's, let's just follow this trail, let's kind of hike. So we started up the hike a little bit, and the kids got tired, and I got tired too, I was ready to go back home, but... The kids went home with Jason, back to the house with Jason, and Stephanie and Julie McMurtry, God bless those beautiful women, we decided to continue to reach the top of Brookway Summit. How high is that? 7,100 feet. That may not be something, may not be big for climbers and stuff like that, but for a brother that's never done it before, and actually... My people, we just don't hike anyway. <laughs> we just really don't. We're not. We're not into. You've never been hiking before in your life. Never. No. Wow. Well, what you an know. Experience. You know. Well, it was interesting because when you think about it, I mean, you've never heard on TV the the, the local news come on and say, you know what? We just found an African American family stranded for nine days <laughs> up in the mountains in the snow or wherever it is. No, we just I've don't never do seen that. that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, we don't. There's and I'm glad that it wasn't on the news about you in Tahoe. And, me and too, because that meant that today. meant that we made it. You know, so we <laughs> made it up there, and it was one of those things when we got to the top of Brook uh, Brookway Brockway. I'm sorry, Summit. Right. We turned around and you could see the beautiful Lake Lake Tahoe, just such beautiful color. And then there was snow-capped mountains. And it made me feel really good because I've accomplished something that uh, I didn't think I could. It's not something I never really thought I would do. But once I started it, the most important thing was to finish it. That's right. Because, you know, we keep telling kids, you know, finish, finish what you start. And right. I never get up on your dreams and that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's what I was doing for the last couple of weeks. I had an opportunity to do something that most of my people don't even think about doing. <laughs> well, good for you. Congratulations oh, on your you. hike. What'd you do? Well, my children were in the Philippines for three weeks. It was the longest I've gone without my boys. Oh. For listeners who don't know, I've got two boys. They're 13 and 12. and Beautiful kids. They're good kids. They're cute. And they went with their father to the Philippines for three weeks, and have, they came back with a lot of really neat stories. And what an experience. And they're currently like on this weird sleep schedule mm -hmm. the jet lag they'll you know they're up at three in the morning ready to hang out and then right now they're both asleep and it's you know three in the afternoon so um while they were gone i took the opportunity to i worked quite a bit mm -hmm. and i did a lot of outdoor stuff i went fishing uh oh you see my leg 
Yeah. I was fishing off the jetty in, in uh, Doran, and I I've kind of took like a wrong step. <laughs> <laughs> we caught a few. Uh, we caught a few cod, okay. and they were too small, so we had to throw them back. But I did a lot of paddle boarding. Did I tell you about the paddle boarding where I was uh, yeah. in Bodega Bay? It was kind of a lower tide, and we're paddle boarding, and I see this, like, figure swim in front of me. What is that black thing? And you I got thought it closer. was me? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a leopard shark, okay. not a jerry shark. <laughs> no, but I was with my boyfriend out there on our paddle boards, and suddenly we looked around, and we were just a paddling above a school of leopard shark. And you think, you know, shark, you know, they're, these are smaller, you know, about three feet long and smaller, but it was such a trip. They're beautiful creatures. Are they really? Yeah. But I didn't want to get in at that no. moment, you know. Would you? Uh, well, here's another thing you don't see on TV. <laughs> not that, you know, my kids are great swimmers. I mean, you know, it's not that we do not swim. I mean, I'm not a real good swimmer. You know, people say, you know, wow, I mean, black people really don't like water. <laughs> they love water. They just don't want to get into oceans. They don't want to deal with sharks. And once again, give us a swimming pool and some music and a party. That's, that's real cool. You're not going to find us out somewhere. Swimming you know. with leopard sharks? No, but you know what? I take my hat off to you for doing <laughs> well, that. Well, I didn't you know. swim with them, but they well, were there. You were close enough, yeah. A couple yeah. stingrays under there, too. Yeah. It was beautiful. The weather's been great. So it's been a nice break. We took our two weeks to prepare um, for season three. And this podcast has become something more than we even imagined when we started. We now have listeners in 37 states. We're, we're at 11 or 12 different countries have tuned in. And I keep looking at that map, just imagining <laughs> it filled in. We need that Midwest. Yeah. What's going on in the Midwest? We'll They're not find listening. Out. We'll, we'll find you. Uh, but. We need to move on because I want to get to this guy interview. But first, we have a couple sponsors. We got a new sponsor, uh, Terra Firma Global Partners in Santa Rosa, a wonderful organization run by great people that do a lot for the community. So thank you so much, Terra Firma Global Partners. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Community First Credit Union, yeah. they were the first to sign on and help us. They're taking a chance on a little podcast with a big heart. So thank you, Community First. and. That being said, let's get to our interview with Guy. Um, so just so you know, we sat down in Guy's kitchen and Jerry and Guy just started chatting and I thought, oh, this stuff is good. So I just pressed play on the recorder. I didn't tell him, um, but we're going to start the podcast interview mid-conversation. Jerry and Guy Fietti talking about Rolexes and we'll take it from there. Enjoy the interview. Is it rolling? What is it? Uh-uh. It's uh, an Invicta. It looks like one. God, it looks like one. No, because I have rolls. I, I have uh, Rolexes. I have a machine one that big. I'm like, did I miss something? No, 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 you didn't. I just can't see, man. I had to find something. No kidding. <laughs> I don't even set mine anymore. I look at my phone. <laughs> well, you're in different time zones all the time, man. That's this true. is a very special watch. This is um, it's called the Emergency 2. Oh. And then do it. Pull the wires out. Yeah. And they'll send a helicopter. What? Yep. That's and crazy. if you do, yeah, I had to register it with the FAA mm -hmm. and the whole thing. You have to go to the big, all this legal form, the whole deal. So it's not get at the bar and get drunk with your buddies and do it and see if they'll show up. Right, because they're coming. It's probably but I, I do a lot of outdoor stuff, so that's why I have this. Pretty. That's amazing. Really? So, Guy, just so you know a little bit about what we're doing with mm -hmm. our podcast, we talked to Sam a bit in the office. Um, we are trying to spread positive news and feature people's Amen. good work. We think there's Amen. so much terrible news out there. And so the the whole theory behind the con the, the podcast concept is to tell good stories. Mm -hmm. give, so give people a place to go to listen to something good because they're not getting it from the news. And I'll tell you this, and it gives me goosebumps to hear you say that. If we project ourselves in, whatever energy you put out is what is, you know, and so why does the sensationalism sell? So I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. There was an accident at the racetrack um, during the night. Someone flipped a golf cart. And of course, everybody's inquisitive. And so some people were getting ready to go down there. And I stopped them. I said, why are you going to go down there? Because you're going to go help? No, because there's a bunch of people helping him. Why are you going to go down there? Somebody is having a really bad night. There's a lot of ambulances. Something's wrong. Go down there. Don't gawk when you drive by, mm -hmm. you know. I, I so I'm into it. I'm into the same energy. So 
So our yeah, what, what you're saying is like the concept and where it came from inside of me. And I came to Jerry because I needed a co-host, and he agreed. He felt the same way about what was going on in the news and the world. And um, why is it? You know, and this isn't a question for you to answer. It's just Are a question rolling? to pose. Oh yeah, oh, okay. we're going. We're just chatting. Um, that our culture is so obsessed with the negative and the fatalistic things when there's so much good going on. There is so much good and so many people doing good. And news has become, is it about the money? It's about whoever can find the most horrible stories, put it out there and, and repeat talk it. talk about people's failures yeah. and mm -hmm. talk about people's wrongdoings and talk, and I believe in there is a degree of public shaming that when somebody does something really bad, but digging into people's lives and, and sensationalizing their inadequacies or their failures, I don't even get down. I mean, it's to me the whole energy. Um, I was out there at the racetrack this weekend and we were feeding all the first responders. So we're feeding all these first responders and the, someone asked me, why are you doing it? I said, well, because I honor them, that I know what they've done. I was with them during the fires and saw all these, you know, these terrible things that were going on and all these great people that were stepping up. I said, you know what I'm really doing? As I said, I'm hoping of setting an example mm. that as a community, we need to uh, appreciate and support our first responders because they're the ones when the shit goes down, we go that way and they go into it. You can watch these videos of the fires up in Lake County and they, I was there at the banquet that, uh, and they were showing the videos of the police cars driving through f roads that were on fire, going to get people. I mean, it just, it, it's giving me goosebumps even talking about it. Why don't we celebrate that? Why isn't that the front page of the paper? Instead, we'll talk about all the bad things that people have done. Yeah, we talked about that too with Sam, your assistant, at that at the news, you know, you get a 30 minute news segment, 20, 29 minutes are all negative, And then they just tag on a positive story at the end. And the newspapers are doing the same thing with their little section of positivity. Yeah, you guys are doing, you're doing the right thing. And I think what it is, is we need to put ourselves in the, we need to set examples of what we should be talking about and, and what we should be highlighting and what we should be referencing. And you know, I think social media does a lot of great stuff. Mostly when people are posting stuff on social media, they're talking about funny stuff and fun stuff and good stuff and recognizing people. Um, and then there's those that take and do it the wrong way. But it's just really how people, what projection they're trying to put out there. And we're going to get a better world if people project positively. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to benefit from negativity. It yeah. just does not work. But for some reason, it's uh, so I, I applaud you. Nice job. Thanks for, thanks for including me in it. Thank you. Um, so you and Jerry have met before. You happen to have a similar football taste. Well, you know what? It was a few years ago. We played ago. together. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Teammates. That's know, right. Locker side by side. Yeah. That's right. He, he, you didn't see me on the field much. Yeah. <laughs> the water boy. It was a, it was a, it was, actually it was a Raider game a couple, couple years ago on the sideline. And I was, you know, there before the game started. And you know how they run everybody out of that tunnel and the fireworks go off. And I looked over and I'm like, Oh man, that's guy right there. You're with your sons. You're yeah. with your sons. And I introduced myself to you until you lived in Santa Rosa and we were talking about this and that. And you said, hey, man, I'm in Santa Rosa too. You said, stop by. Now, I, that was a while ago. That's, yeah. Well, because it was a good thing for me because I'm like, wait a minute. I seen this dude on TV. I know who he is, this and that. And you lived in Santa Rosa. That's what blew me away because I live in Santa Rosa too. And you invited me to the house. I said, I remember telling my kids, I said, you're not going to believe it. Guy invited me to his crib, and my kids were like, "Dad, are you gonna go? Why aren't you going?" <laughs> and I never had, but we met there at the, at the Raider, at the, uh, right there at the Raider game. And here's the other interesting thing: when Chuck, when when Chucky, <laughs> Coach Gruden came back, he threw a party at Ricky's for uh, a lot of Raider booster people and a lot of Raider fans. And when he came in and he saw me, he said, "Jerry, how you doing? What are you doing? You know, John, he wants to know how you doing." He said, "Where do you live?" I said, "I live in Santa Rosa." He said, "You know what?" He said, a good friend of mine lives in San Rosa. I said, who? He said, Guy Fieri. He went off and I'm like, oh, he said, so if you ever run into him, just tell him I said hi. So you and you and Coach Gruden are friends, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. He he talk you. about positive energy. Oh, Lord. That dude is a thousand percent. His, the knob got broken at a thousand percent positive energy. He is a... I, yeah. Well, you like that too. I can see the two. Though. I see why you two get along, man. I mean, it'd be inter interesting to sit back and watch you and John Gruden talk to each other about whatever it may be, because the energy level would be off the chart. Maybe we could interview him too. Yeah. Oh yeah, you got to get he, Gruden is an amazing guy and an amazing coach and 
really talk about a disciplined person. Hmm. He, when he was doing Monday Night Football, so I was talking to all his crew, and they said, uh, yeah, we've been doing Monday Night Football for years, and what he does, the Monday night when the game ends, he starts hmm. that night producing the next Monday Night Football. Damn. He's that ingrained into what's going on and who's where, which way. And he has a big studio at his house and he does a lot of the pre-work mm -hmm. there. They said the guy is just relentless. And that's how he is as a coach as well. He's really got his finger on the pulse. I mean, the Raiders, we went down a different path for a few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, so he's got some rebuilding to do. But um, it's going to be, we're going we're gonna to get back to the uh, commitment to excellence. Yeah. The old ways, what it used to be like. You know what's interesting? I, I, do some autograph stuff for different charities and this and that. And there's a lot of Raider fans that come up that are like 20, 25, 30 year old. And I say to them, I said, you know what? You really, if you're 25 to 30 years old, you really don't know or haven't experienced what the greatness of the Raiders is all about. And that just goes to show that their parents, you know how this thing is. They teach them, they bring them to games and they're Raider fans because of what they've been taught. And I tell them, I feel sorry for you. I feel sad for you, but things are going to change. But you have to understand, there is greatness in the Raiders. And any Raider fan knows, you know, the history of them is outstanding and it's fabulous. And they're just, they're a different organization. But it just blows my mind when I see these young kids that are so diehard Raider fans and they, and they hadn't had a chance to experience that. Kenny Stabler. Whoa. Right there. Right there on the wall. Sign that. And he called me the uh, offensive cookinator. <laughs> that, I like that. Yeah, so, uh, Kenny signed that. Uh, Kenny sat right there in that seat. Several, lots of nights, lots of nights, having <laughs> dinner and stayed out there in the little apartment. And, wow. Uh, talk about talk about a guy with positive energy. Yeah. Oh my. I'm but see, that's the thing. Is it's we need to start getting loud about the voice of positive energy. We need to start recognizing all the good, and I think like you guys doing this and 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 highlighting the people that are leading that way. Um, but unfortunately, everybody gets all tied up in this political stuff. Oh, you know, it's just take all that energy and do something. Positive. Do something yeah. positive. Start yeah. a charity. Help yeah. a charity. Volunteer. Exactly. Something. Do something. Uh, so that being said. I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the things that you do. I know that after the fires last year, you helped the first responders. Can you tell me a little bit about what you did, where the idea came from, and how that was all executed? Well, it, I, I was one part of that, and there was a tremendous group of people, my friends, uh, my family, my kid. Uh, there was just, so I'm, I'm just a piece of the, I'm a cog in the wheel. Um, when we had our fires here in Santa Rosa, I was here for the fire, evacuated, got back to our home. I had to leave that morning. I had to, I had to fly to Texas that morning to do a uh, to do an appearance, and we knew that there had been a fire, and that was it. But there was no news. There was nothing going on about it. And I had to leave at like you know ten in the nine in the morning. So I drive to go get on the plane. Fly. By the time I land, now we have come to understand the level of devastation. My youngest son was just, he was very upset. And we didn't know that Coffee Park had been taken out. We didn't mm -hmm. know all the, and there was no communication because nothing, everything was burnt up and burnt up. So I call my dad. I go, dad, what's up? And he goes, oh, it's gone. Where's your dad live? Right next door. Oh, okay. Uh, which the whole story of me being evacuated, or of us being evacuated is very interesting also. <laughs> Did he but, not want to leave your father? No, I was the, oh, you I was the, <laughs> so, I'm, so it's, it's one o'clock in the morning. And Lori has got very, my wife has very keen senses. And she opens the door and she says, something's on fire. And I said, yeah, it's probably somebody, you know, bar barbecue or something. She goes, no, bad. I'm going to go back to sleep. I go, babe, I got to get up at five in the morning. I got to fly out. <laughs> she wakes up again about a half hour later. She goes, something is going on outside. It's bad. You need to get up and go look at this. I said, babe, it's going to be okay. The next time I wake up, I feel like Wizard of Oz with Auntie M and all the people. <laughs> my dad's there. Cesar, our neighbor, is there, and my wife's there, and they're like, you need to get up. <laughs> I walk out, and you can see the glow. Oh, I remember the so glow. very calmly, I know it's going down now, very calmly, not to get everybody riled up, and load the truck, and put water in the truck, and some blankets, and I don't know where we're going to go. We take off. But anyhow, um, we'd come back, and everything was fine. Our house hadn't burnt down, and I knew that there had been, you know, I thought it was probably the, uh, the hillside, you know, Martin mm -hmm. West or something. So I leave. 
uh, by the time I leave, my dad calls me and says, oh, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I'm going to do my appearance. I'm going to get, you know, these people are counting on me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fly right home. So as I'm flying home, I'm getting texts from people telling me that, you know, how many people are displaced. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. I said, well, who's feeding them? And they're like, well, they're sleeping on gymnasium floors or at the fairgrounds. I said, I know, but who's feeding them? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to go feed them. And then my dad says, no, you can't. They can't even drive on the roads. I said, they're not going to deny a guy with a barbecue full of meat oh, that's coming his that's coming right. their way. So I called my guys while I was in the air, and I said, here's the game plan. So we, everybody started compiling equipment, and we started putting it together. And we drove to the fair, we drove to the vet's building, and a great guy named um, Blaine Goodwin, who worked for the Salvation Army. I said, Blaine, where are you? He says, I'm down here at the fairgrounds, or I'm down here at the vet's building. So said, you got people? He says, yeah, I got like 700 people. I said, okay, I'm coming in. Find me a place in the parking lot. I'm going to start cooking. So I just started calling random people, and everybody's like, I can help, I can go this, mm -hmm. I can go down to Katati and buy some food, and so we, we just set up and we started cooking. Mm -hmm. And it was, and, and the, the only thing that, <laughs> there was a negative about it, you know, someone came and go, are you doing this, is this a promotional gig? I, I said, read something about people assuming that you were doing, trying to promote yourself. And ridiculous. I, didn't, I wouldn't give one interview. I wouldn't give an interview. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I said, I'm not here. Yeah. This has nothing to do with Guy Fieri's celebrity. This is a Guy Fieri, member of the community. And what was awesome, here's the most awesome part about it, is people wanted to help and didn't know how to help. Mm -hmm. But we created, my friends and a bunch of local Santa Rosa folks, created an environment that people could come help. People came out of the woodwork. People that, I mean, it gives me goosebumps. People's homes, Josh Johnson, really good friend of mine, who's also my insurance agent, comes up to the trailer and I said, Josh, what's up? He goes, can I help? I said, absolutely, I need this, this, and I go, you okay? And he goes, I know we lost it all. I go, Josh, you lost sure. your home, all your kids' pictures, the whole thing. He goes, yeah. And he goes, but I wanna do, I gotta do something. I need help. Oh my God. So that is how it all started. And then what we recognized, and then a really great group called OBR, Operation Barbecue Relief, which is this amazing group of people came in and they work with, um, they, the barbecue community is really, uh, really amazing. There's a lot of people that are true, you know, low and slow barbecue cookers, um, pitmasters. It's a barbecue and community. It is. And they go online and say, there's a disaster in Houston and barbecuers drag their barbecue rigs and go down and, and cook food. These folks, that is so wow. cool. millions of meals they've served. Wow. So uh, they come in. So now barbecue relief is doing the doing a lot of the smoking. I'm doing the side dishes. Mm -hmm. I've got chefs from San Francisco that are coming in. I got local chefs that are jumping in. Dusky and uh, John from Zazu uh, came and helped a bunch, and all kinds of people coming up to. And we started cooking. And so what I recognized is that we could deploy a lot faster. We don't have to go through a board of directors. We mm -hmm. don't have to make any decision. We don't have to. I just paid out of pocket and we yeah. go. So when when um, we were in Florida getting ready to open a new restaurant. And I was with my family and we were gonna to go to Disneyland and then we heard about the fires in uh, Reading and Chico. This is before Paradise. Mm -hmm. And we heard about it and I said, we gotta go home. I know exactly what's happening and I know what's gonna be going on up there and I know there's gonna be hungry people. So we canceled the Disney visit, flew home. By the time I landed, um, my buddies were all ready. We were already smoking. So we're dragging a trailer, cooking meat <laughs> with a generator on it, so driving about. to Chico. <laughs> Or driving to um, to Reading, so we set up in a parking lot in Reading, in a in a, band, a brand new parking lot for some building that was being built. We set it up. We made a we made a camp, and we started feeding folks. And what was really interesting is that there the Salvation Army again was the first ones there, and so we go to the Salvation Army and say we're making the food. You just deploy, you just send it wherever you want to send it. People were sleeping in churches and schools and so forth, and that's just the way it started. Then so that fire is going. And while that fire is going, the Lake County fire starts. Mm. Well, I know the same situation is going to be happening again where there's not anybody there yet. And it wasn't as big a fire, but there was a lot of displaced people. Mm -hmm. So we got with the Salvation Army. And matter of fact, some of our Salvation Army team from Reading went down with us. So then we went and we cooked in Lake County. And it's just amazing. It's amazing to watch people come together and then the you know the devastation at paradise and i got a call great one of the greatest chefs in the world and one of my dear friends a guy named jose andreas and he's like the mega chef and this guy was just uh, they nominated him for nobel peace prize 
but uh, Jose is deploying this all over the world. He's doing this type of uh, efforts. So I, he's the one that really should get the light shown on him. But um, Jose called and asked me if I would come cook turkey. He says, I know that you can cook this amount of meat. And he's got this great <laughs> accent. I said, yeah, for how many, Jose? And he says, oh... 15, 10 to 15, 10 to 15 what, Jose? 1,000. <laughs> on Thanksgiving. I'm like, 10 to 15,000, turkey for 10 to 15,000 people. I'm like, uh, oh boy, you know, like I don't have any pressure. Turkey's always the toughest thing for everybody on Thanksgiving anyways. Yeah. So added, the whole end result is we built a 48-foot-long, full commercial kitchen in a trailer we had it built in georgia took us a year and a half to get it built got every piece of equipment on it, you can imagine we can feed five to ten thousand a day out of it and um, the trailer is now ready freightliner gave us a truck so we haul it with a freightliner semi mm -hmm. and we're able to go we'll be able to go anywhere in the country now to do this now when there's not disasters my thing was well, what what are we going to do when it's not a disaster let's do something so we took it to see we took it to the racetrack this weekend mm. we know all those first responders are there tons of fire tons of medical tons of police with no nothing to eat super hot so we built a compound with tents and tables <laughs> and the trailer and we served every day they knew to come at 12:30 and uh, they got a chance to sit down, got a chance to have something to drink, got a really good meal, got it free. And uh, that is so that's cool. What, that's so you what, can take that anywhere now. You take the negative and you make it the positive. You do, and you that's did. That's awesome. That is awesome. I love that. <laughs> so those fires, you know, what I found to be interesting and what you did, your piece, you're the food guy. You were able to help in that aspect. We have a charity called Shoes for Kids, and we were helping get shoes to kids who lost everything in the fires. And, and everyone, the truck people who donated the truck, everyone did their piece. And if we're operating as a community and a society in the right way, then I think that's how it should be. Everyone does their piece you know, to this, help. The, the, the beauty, the sad, the, sad side, the, the sad side of it, but the beauty of it is, we are an amazing country mm -hmm. and we rally. Yeah. Rally. I just wish we didn't have to wait for the negative, for the bad situation to happen. Yeah, for a disaster. Let's let's love each other and support each other and come together and recognize it. when it's not a disaster. That's why I did it at the racetrack. It wasn't a disaster. It, nobody was in harm's way. And but you just you could, and so you did. And that's that the famous Mister Rogers quote where he says, "When in a disaster, always look for the helpers." That's what his mother told him. And I thought that's beautiful. But why not every day? There's helpers every day. Teachers, you know, those are the ones that I, uh, it drives me crazy how much money we put towards prisons and how much we don't put towards education. It's true. And we need to support our teachers. Teachers are the unsung heroes, are the unsung heroes of all unsung heroes. And they make, you gotta love to teach and you gotta love people because yeah. you're not making any money doing it. And when they're going to buy their own supplies, yeah. I, mean, I tell every teacher when I meet them, my, my kids' teachers, I said, listen, if there's ever something you need in this classroom that you're not able to get and we can't help you do, you let me know. And so one of the teachers took me up on it um, at Windsor Middle School where Ryder goes. And they said, well, we need some money to write a grant to get some money to open a culinary program at a middle school. I said, a culinary program at a middle school? Are you serious? I said, yeah. So I gave them $25,000. They wrote the grant. They got the 400000 that's and so, wow. whatever number it was. Yeah. And now, Windsor is going to be, again, Goosebumps, Windsor <laughs> is going to be the first school mm. in the state of California to have a uh, middle school, high school culinary program that collaborate. So these kids so are going to awesome. get a chance to start cooking in middle school. And I'm just saying for a life skill. I'm not saying oh, yeah. that, that, you know, that people need to become chefs. That's not what I'm putting. I'm just saying when kids you know, here you go you get me on the soapbox now go for it kids can make for. a decision about what they eat and they can see the direct result of what they eat and how it makes them feel okay mm -hmm. it's about making good decisions as kids mm -hmm. now if they can take that and make good decisions about their food and they feel empowered to do that now we can hopefully start to encourage them to make those other really good decisions because when people get in touch with their body and they get in touch with what they're eating and the energy and the fuel and all these factors it <clears throat> And we can also get them to think about other cultures. You show me a kid with a big palate, I'll show you a kid with a real big open mind. When they start eating curry and they start and they start experiencing um, vegetables, they're cooked the right mm -hmm. way. You know, um, you start putting this in front of these kids, and it's amazing how 
how much it opens their mind. I agree. I have two boys. They're 13 and 12, and they've been in the Philippines for almost three weeks now with their dad. Oh. And so they're, they are experienced. Their opportunity they have right now is amazing. And they're going to try that guy. What's it called? The... Um, the the egg thing that's half chicken I want to see a picture of that okay so <laughs> one of them ate it and did and there's a video and picture I haven't seen it yet when they come back my little my 12 year old didn't do it but the 13 year old did have you okay. tried it oh no I think it's makes me feel <laughs> nauseous you... oh no you don't do it <laughs> the balut is uh, tell Jerry what it is, what is it, it is a duck egg okay where the duck is partially developed in the egg and they eat it and they eat it <laughs> they do they do. Okay. Lucas ate it. He did. Yeah, apparently, I haven't no, seen not, proof yet. Okay. Well, I want to see this too because uh, I'm not. Uh, no. It scares me. Me okay. too. Anyway, yeah. The the point the way I went <laughs> that direction because we we're talking about how understanding food and where it comes from and, and the cultural differences in food and why different communities eat different foods. You know, I I get it. I get it what you're to me. When I, when I first got on the Food Network, I was meeting with one of my producers, one of my mentors, an amazing guy named Mark Disson. And I said to Mark, it was about my second or third season of Guy's Big Bite, my cooking show. I said, Mark, I'm hitting a wall. I said, I'm, I'm, I've cooked it all. I've cooked everything mm -hmm. that, you know, all my favorites. And he said, okay. I said, but I need inspiration. He goes, when you go to a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant, what do you order? I said, well, I order. He goes, great. Don't do that again. Order something different every time. Mm. I said, but I love mushu pork. And he says, no, you have to order something different. Until you order the entire menu, don't order the same thing again. I love that advice. And what it did is it pushed me into trying other Asian dishes that mm -hmm. I wasn't trying. And really starting to, uh, like kanji, you know, the, 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 or the, uh, the hot pots. And it pushed me into it, and I realized that if you really want to broaden your profile about food or music or art or life, you have to be willing to go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, so I'm really a big fan. So writer, you know, and the one thing I always tell parents, don't start it off with, okay, we're going to try something new now. And if you don't like it, we can make you something. Yeah. That is the absolute wrong <laughs> Put it in front of them. This is my dinner. parents had me eating sushi when I was eight years old. Nice. And the way my dad did it, or the way my parents did it, is we didn't have a lot of snacks in our house. We weren't a snack family. And it's really hard. You put somebody at the table that's hungry, they'll try things. <laughs> you put somebody at the table that's got a medium appetite. You know, so like, true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I think I give too many snacks. We hope you are enjoying our interview. Uh, we have a quick thank you break. And we want to give out a shout out to Terra Firma Global Partners and a gentleman who runs the organization named Bill Fassendini. When I needed to have sponsors for this podcast, I thought, who would I go to in the community? And Terra Firma Global, Global Partners and Bill Fassendini have been huge supporters of Shoes for Kids, my nonprofit, from the beginning. And I asked Bill if he wanted to be involved with Terra Firma in, in this podcast, and he, without a doubt, said yes. And so thank you so much, Bill. And Jerry knows Yeah, Bill. you know what? When Mariah told me about you know, Bill Fassendini involved, Bill and I were teammates together at Carlin High School. We played on it. We were... I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. He hell of a football player, too. A hell of a teammate. You know what? He's just a hell of a person. He's a heck of a guy. I love Bill. I get a chance to run into him every now and then. Our coach is a legendary. Ed Lloyd comes into town, and some of his his players, we get together, and we have dinner with him. I love being around Bill Fasadini, you know. And, so good people yeah. run good organizations. And so if you're looking to buy a property, Terra Firma Global Partners, they're the people to go to. You can trust them, and they trusted us. Um, thank you so much, Terra Firma, and enjoy the rest of your interview. Um, on the kid front, your charity, the Cooking with Kids CWK, program, can yeah. you tell us about that? Well, it's morphed into quite a bit now, not just with kids and food. It's morphed into the education program for the, you know, for the school. Um, we just made a big donation to, uh, to SAY. Are you familiar with SAY? Oh, yeah. oh my 
goodness, what an amazing program. I know, Social Advocates for Youth, they, they've been around a long time. I'd like to find the founder. Do you know well, the founder? Well, I don't know the founder, but I do know one of the board members. I know a couple of the board members, and we were just at that uh, uh, the dinner on Friday night, and a young boy got up and started speaking, and he actually went to school with my son, Hunter. Mm-hmm. And he's up there speaking, and he said, you know, there's really a... I don't know if the word was shame, but he says it's real hard for people to talk about, especially kids, to talk about what you know they don't have a place to live. And he was expressing that. And so this this uh, program and what they do and what they offer kids um, is is just amazing. And so they got done, and one of the race car founders or the the people that own the track, the the Smiths, said uh, we're going to donate. Fit we'll match up to fifty thousand dollars if people want to make a donation tonight. And uh, so I gave 10,000 bucks nice. and the crowd went nuts <laughs> and the dude right next to me, Alan Henderson, oh. who's a uh, paving company, right next to me goes, I'm in for 10,000. Nice. And I mean, it just off, man, yeah. it was so great. And I think we blew it out of the water past the 50,000 and Marcus Smith, who's the guy that you know, his family owns a track, he said, whatever the number is, I'm matching it. So that's the ripple effect. We talk about the ripple effect, and you started that. You throw that pebble, and you know you never know what's going to happen. So, what the program is about is, um, I really want to educate families, kids, um, just taking with. The, we went to the to, to the Sacramento, and they made a cooking with kids day. We have the uh, the resolution there on the wall, and what it was, what it really is about is just educating kids about food, educating kids about how to make food, educating kids the techniques. A lot of people don't do things because they don't know how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like go snowboarding. You know, once you do it, you, you kind of, you know. So what we try to do is just make sure that we have the resources and the people and the funds and so forth to make food available to kids. And um, it's the common denominator of all people, food is. You know, we don't all like the same music, same politics, same sports, same this, same that, but we all love food. It's a great way to connect with people is through food. Um, and I think that, you know, I've always made the joke, when we have uh, cultural uh, issues, we can bridge that with food. With food. Okay? Because everybody mellows that when the food comes. Oh, yeah. Food makes yeah. people feel good. You it know? does. So, Cooking with Kids, and there's another organization... Um, can you tell me about Best Buddies? Best oh, you want to get tear-jerkered. Okay. No. So I have uh, a cousin with intellectual disabilities. Didn't know that everybody didn't have a cousin with intellectual disabilities. That's how we were, you know, we were raised. Doug, my cousin Doug. Doug is one of the most genuine, straightforward, best people in the whole world. I mean, just doesn't, just calls it the way it is. And that just was the way we were raised. So I didn't really ever see it differently. And we, I don't know, it's just the way I was. So when I was sitting, I was having dinner one time with uh, Schwarzenegger, Maria Shriver, Anthony Shriver, a whole group of us were down in Los Angeles and we were having dinner and we were sitting there talking about um, charity and so forth. And I, and I love charity. I mean, that's what I, hopefully when I retire, I just get to do is charity all the time. And that's, it's, it makes me feel great helping people. And I was raised by hippie parents and that's what we did me in our too. community. <laughs> So anyhow, we're sitting there, and he says, uh, I said, what do you do, Anthony? He says, oh, I run an organization called Best Buddies. Now, the Shriver, mind you, their family, Eunice Shriver, started mm-hmm. Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. On the, in the front yard of their house in Cape Cod. Mm. And um, ironically enough, that's where we go back to do one of our biggest fundraisers of the year is back at that house. So uh, he's telling me about it, and he says, yeah, we do this event and, uh, uh, called uh, for Best Buddies, and Tom Brady does a celebrity football game. Would you want to come out to it? And I said, I'd love to come out to it. So I go out and they said, I said, I got to do something. I can't just come out and just walk around, you know? And they said, I said, how about this? I'll make some appetizers. I'll cook out. I'll make some appetizers. I'll see it before people come to the big dinner. Yeah. Great. And I said, have a couple buddies help me. So uh, we go and I set up a barbecue and a table and I bring some food and we start cooking and the buddies get involved. Well, then all the buddies want to be involved. Mm. And what buddies love to do is they love to know what the task is, they like to have it defined clearly, and they like to go to work. And they get more energy and more charge out of going to work and participating in it, doing something, being an active, participating member of the community. It is mind-blowing. Okay, so that's year one. Year two, we do it again. Now it's a little bit bigger. Now all the buddies want help. So now I get them chef coats. Now they have uniforms. Okay? This thing has blown up to the point now 
where the restaurants in the greater Boston area, 50 chefs, we partner a buddy with a restaurant. The buddy goes to the restaurant, gets the training, works with them, develops the food, and then comes to this food and wine event that we do while, right after Tom Brady's football game. And we have turned into one of the biggest food and wine events in Boston. Wow. And some, and, and some chefs and some restaurants, a guy named Steve DiFilippo, owns a, a restaurant called Davio's. He's hired 10 buddies that work in his different restaurants in Boston. So that's, that's what it was and that's what it is. And we have just, and now it's even taking another turn where the buddies are really being recognized in this culinary world. And the, um, my position inside of the organization has even taken a, a, a bigger role to where we're having the buddies now participate in, the, in cooking the big dinners. And really so it's amazing. Cool. And it's Sweet. job placement, family support, education. And you know, the biggest thing about it is, is and I think you've, both have hit on this multiple times. It's about um, attention and it's about awareness and it's about example. And I think that um, that's what you really need. I think people that haven't been around someone with intellectual disability mm -hmm. doesn't quite know how to handle it. What's what, you know? Yeah. And we break that barrier down on a regular basis. And I will tell you what, I get more out of best <laughs> buddies than I'm ever able to give. I mean, just more. I know all of them. There's a whole team, about 20 of these these uh, young adults, and, and I see them every time I see them at a function or at an, at an event or whatever. They just make you, it's what that hug yeah. and that yeah. how are you and, and that interaction is about the truest form of love and communication that you can find. You know, I, I, <laughs> I feel that way too. It's about, it's, it's the reaction that we get from people from helping people and they don't realize that we're the ones that are benefiting more they don't understand and we get the opportunity to say that share that with them and this the whole thing of making a difference in people's lives and that's what i love about it i mean you know a couple of weeks ago uh, the raiders had a torch special olympics torch run where the special olympics ran into the almost finished al davis stadium there in, the, in las vegas and to see the excitement on these kids' face, and I was telling them, I said, no, man, you guys are all winners. You're all winners. And it's just, to know that you're making a difference in somebody's life, it gives you goosebumps. It even goes much deeper than goosebumps. It, get, kind of, it gets in your heart. And that's where, you know, in this region right here, and that's where it stays. And that's what, that's what, makes, that's what makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and I think that when people get it, when they get it and they get locked in on it, I told all my friends today, we were wrapping up at that camp, I said, I really have to thank you guys. You all came out to see the race, but I really put you to work. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of people. I said, I really, and they said, thank us. When do you get a chance to do that for people? When do you get a mm -hmm. chance to yeah. participate? You know, so I, I think it is that feeling. It, to me, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's like a, I mean, it's like a, uh, it's like a cup of coffee, mm. you know, how it gives you that buzz, you oh, know. We know, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, you just, you can't do anything but smile. We just, so when we were leaving last night, the, uh, the CHP was there, and a guy comes up to me and he says, hey, I got an idea about the rescue trailer. I said, what? And he said, uh, you're a big fan of the military and the vets. And I said, oh, without question. I mean, again, talk about something we're missing. People that have sacrificed, families that sacrificed, not just their lives, but their lifestyle by living in foreign countries and all the things they've had to do. And then on top of it, people that have you know lost their lives doing it. But uh, vets, every single day it should be vets day. Yeah. You know, we're not in this country. We don't have, we're not the greatest country in the world because it just came for right. you know, we're here freedom. We're here because free, of them, right? yeah. So there's a big vets, uh, uh, vet community up in, um, uh, right outside of Napa in Yonville. Yeah. And so we came up with this idea. We're gonna go take the rescue trailer when it's not in a disaster, and we're gonna go and we're gonna put on a party for the vets and go cook for the vets. There's like 600 vets up there. And we're gonna go and do that and we're gonna bring a bunch of old cars because they'll wanna see, you know, see the cars. And we're just gonna make, and not on Veterans Day. We're gonna make some other day Veterans Day. So that's... Yeah, that, be, uh, that Veterans uh, group up there in Yonceville, once again, Raiders Training Camp, and what they do is, some Raider alumni, we go visit the uh, the veterans at the at Yonville, and a yeah. couple of years ago they had that shooting that take, had oh, taken okay. place. And uh, I went there and I saw this beautiful facility and these beautiful uh, veterans, men and women, and we're serving them lunch and we're signing autographs and we're doing pictures yeah. of that. And it was just so exciting. I mean, well, I'll let so, you know when we get ready to do it. Okay, come up and do I'm down. I'm All ready. The CHP officer said, "Yeah, we'll." 
I said, in uniform, not in uniform, whatever you want. We're going to go up okay. there. We're going to make a big... I'm uh, in. We're going to feed them, so we'll make it happen. Okay. Let me That's know. awesome. Um, so, Guy, also, we just want to congratulate you on your star on the Walk of Fame. I mean, <laughs> come on. I know you've been making the rounds talking about this a lot, but how crazy and amazing, like... I don't know where that one. There's a tattoo. <laughs> all my buddies, we all, we all went and got the tattoo that day. That is um, incredible. I don't really, I still haven't got my head around it. I mean, I really don't get it. Yeah. I get it, I don't get it. And it was very interesting because it was explained to me, uh, a great uh, actor and a good friend of mine um, who's become a friend of mine, Joe Montagna. Mm. And Joe, Joe said to me, I met Joe years ago. I was doing a, a, a speak, I was at a, a, about the Emmys. And he came to hear me speak. And he came up to me at the end and he says, I really enjoyed listening to you talk and I didn't know what a philanthropist you are and what, a, you know, what your energy is. He says, but you're just a really, you know, you're a really neat guy. We had this great talk. And so then when the uh, nomination came to go, uh, Food Network did it. And it's expensive. It's like $60,000 and they write a whole thing about you and so on. Hmm. So when Joe went to the, when the, when the uh, committee discusses it, because everybody, you get nominated, but then it goes to a committee of past star recipients hmm. that discuss what's going on. And uh, it was just really interesting to think, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, and now knowing the whole process, I'm even more blown away that I'm actually, that it actually <laughs> happened. And it was probably besides my sons being born mm. and wow. marrying my wife, it's the greatest day. I don't even... How could it and not to be? to be wow. there, to be there with my friends and my family. Yeah. My dad just beat pancreatic cancer. So we knew the star was coming and we knew he was going to have to face this cancer or battle this cancer. And the only thing I was praying for was that that was going to, that he was going to be there. Now he's, re and he's recovered. He's cancer free. Everything was awesome. But I got to have my sons there, my wife there. Mm. I flew all my aunts in. I don't have any uncles. My uncles have passed away. <laughs> flew all the aunts in. Friends from around the country, around the world. One of my friends from England came. And it just, and, and Matthew McConaughey spoke, <laughs> Hunter spoke, that. <laughs> uh, we had the best party. So when Food Network said, Erica Slavin, who's a superstar over the Food Network, she says, so um, where would you like your luncheon to be after the star? And I said, my what? She says, your luncheon. <laughs> and I said, I feel he doesn't have any luncheons. I said, well, I don't even say luncheon. Yeah. I said, I want a rager. She goes, there you go. A what? She goes, I said, a rager. I said, like a barbecue trailer and a couple kegs and a parking lot let's get down she goes i want and i said i want a band to come play i want like motley crew or a foreigner or you know poison she goes are you crazy <laughs> we have a luncheon i said i don't want a luncheon oh, that's so it blew up to 600 people who'd you get band wise foreigner okay foreigner <laughs> came and played it was unbelievable <laughs> i love it and we had a rage, and, and, and they put on a full theme, the movie, uh, Greatest Show on Earth. Yeah. They did the theme after that. Um, and uh, so there were acrobats and beautifully decorated, I mean, couches. I mean, it was unbelievable. They took a parking lot and transformed it into a Vegas, Vegas show. It was crazy. You know, a rager. A rager. It was a rager. A rager. You Way more sophisticated than the rager I was thinking. I was thinking Luncheon. a couple of boxes. Yeah. Yes. Where would you learn to Yeah. The Beverly Hills Hotel, darling. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much. You know, I know how you're you're big on family, and, and so are we. And you were talking about having your friends come in, and your and your father, and your family here and there, and your son Hunter speaking. And uh, he has some really good things. Nice, warm. He's, the things he said. What I want to ask you, let me just get this one. <laughs> As you're sitting there and Hunter's up there speaking, man, how did that make you feel? You want another real truth? Yeah. Thing? I had to tune it out. I could only listen to some of it. Okay. I can't make it through the speech. Mm -hmm. I watch it on thing. I'm, I've only been able to make it through like half and then I have to turn off. One... It, finally, the education's paying off. Yeah. <laughs> Rebels. He, he spoke. You know, I asked him. He asked him to do it, and I uh, said, "If you want some help on it, go to my dad, his grandpa, or go to my manager Reed, because both are really good writers." And and he said, "Okay." So I said to Reed, "I said, Hunter, come to you yet?" And he says, "No." He says, "But uh, I said, okay, we'll touch base with him." So Reed calls me and says, "I helped him a little bit." He said, but what he has written, mm. he said, who wrote it? 
<laughs> I said, I didn't do anything. And Hunter wrote it. And it was the greatest, not just because of what he was saying about me, and so, but it was the most articulate, yeah. advanced thing. I mean, just, it, it was just amazing. So, so yeah. was a, but I had to. So my other, my youngest son, uh, Ryder, was up there with us, uh-huh. and uh, Ryder didn't want to speak, which I wasn't asking to. So I held on to Ryder, mm-hmm. and I'm holding on to Ryder, and I am thinking about anything I can except for what that kid's saying, because I have tears. I have sunglasses on. I have tears yeah. up to my eyeballs, <laughs> and one tear made it out and it came running into my face. Yeah. I figured that because when I, you know to hear the things he was saying about his dad, I said, you know what, that's that's what a father or a parent would want their kids to be able to say about them. You know, you didn't write it; it came from him and from his heart. I just I wanted to ask you about that. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. No, would you say so? We're in Guy's kitchen, by the way. His wife yeah. just came in to talk to him. Sorry, no, we're I'm, almost I'm going done. To get a poke bowl. I need something raw. We've just Some been out poke. the track and we've been eating tacos and barbecue and on and on and on. I want something raw. I'm a raw junkie, so I'm gonna go. Oliver's, you've been over there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, those. Well, the one in Win in uh, in um, Windsor has a poke bowl station. A station. So they make the poke right there with the seaweed and the and the fresh tuna and the whole thing. It's crazy. Oh, I gotta tell you the best poke I had. My little brother has a boat that docks out of Sausalito uh-huh. called Big Siege Charters, the Chasing Crustacean. And I went out on his boat to get salmon last season, the last day of mm. salmon season. And one of the old school fishermen that's on that boat every day, it's like five o'clock in the morning. He hands me a Budweiser and a little like a Dixie uh, cup of homemade poke oh, from the fish he bought the, or he, that he caught the day before. Yeah. It was the best poke I've ever had. Is, and I drink a beer it? at five o'clock in the morning what, what as well. Is, uh, well <laughs> I applaud you all. Thank you. Um, what is so it? Poke, so in Hawaii, they take, and you'll go to, there's restaurants that I go to in Hawaii that if you're ever going over, I'll send it to you. Take raw fish oh, and so cut it up, raw, fresh, super fresh fish, okay. and add different vegetables and different sauces to it. And it's it's like eating a bowl of sashimi. Okay. So no okay. rice. Okay. Right. Um, he did but, cucumber with his, yeah. which was nice. Oh, I, you're, my mouth is just... <laughs> I'm about to try this. Right uh, yeah. It was delicious. Oh, yeah, there's some really... Um, if you go to Hawaii, there's a place called... Um, there's a restaurant called Fresh Catch. We did it on Triple D. We did it on Diners, Drivers, and Dives. And the guy has since become one of my really good friends, um, Reno Henriquez. And uh, he makes poke that will blow your mind. He's come over and catered weddings here with fish that he loads up in coolers and brings. Comes every year and cooks for my birthday. Mm. Okay, now I'm hungry too. You know, it. I know what it's like. I went to UCLA and, and, and you were running Rebel. And, you know... Anytime, Mariah, you too, you get a chance to go back to your high school or, or college and, and just be there. Maybe they're either, either you're the guest speaker or whatever it may be, okay? Whatever it is. We love our schools, okay? Tell me about that feeling that you had when you got that, that call. You're going from, from Guy Fieri to Dr. Guy. Man, I love you, man. I really do, man. I do. I told you, it's just something about know. you, man. Uh, it's but, I used to live in Las Vegas uh, back when they won this, you know, national championship basketball. So. That's when I was there. Uh huh. Yeah. So you know, running rebel. So I just, so I just, so when I saw Doctor so. Guy, I said I had to ask you about that, man. People probably not many people probably don't even know that. I believe so. I was yeah. So I was uh, given my honorary doctorate from UNLV, and. I'm a huge fan of the school. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I won't say that <laughs> I coerced our son into going. We went and visited other schools, <laughs> but UNLV was very interested in having them. And the dean there, the culinary, the the hospitality program is outstanding. It's the best in the country. And um, so when they, so Hunter was getting Hunter was getting ready to go there. And matter of fact, I was being interviewed by Extra TV at my restaurant in Las Vegas, and Hunter was vacillating between uh, Arizona and UNLV, Arizona and UNLV. So I happened to have the dean there with me for some reason at the <laughs> restaurant. We were FaceTiming Hunter, extra TVs interviewing us, or has the camera there, and I said, and he goes, all right, Dad, I made a decision. And it's like draft day, like what? What is the decision, <laughs> you know? And he says, I'm gonna go to UNLV. Oh my oh. gosh, it blew up. So yeah, yeah they, they, it was what an, what an honor, and I was the first a graduate of UNLV to be um, granted or given or bestowed a uh, an honorary doctorate. 
Dude. Yeah, that's it was cool. really, really cool. Dr. G. Doctor. Yeah, so, doctor so has to go to his the, luncheon. D- yeah, the doctor is yeah, the doctor's <laughs> at his luncheon. He'll be at a luncheon eating. No, there's been some real awesome milestones. I really uh, I really appreciate them. And again, that goes back to the whole genesis of this conversation of what we can do to uh, how we can make people feel good and how we can recognize people and how we can celebrate people. And it's one of the things I try to do in my career with chefs. You know, I have these shows, Diners, Drivers, and Dives, and and um, guys grocery games and guys ranch kitchen and my whole interest is I got enough I've been fulfilled I've been I really want people to see these other amazing chefs mm-hmm. we chefs are uh, they're artists yeah and we so often don't get to see all that they are possible you know all the possibilities that they have so when we put them on these shows and give them a chance to win some money or we put them on triple d and we get a chance to introduce their restaurant to the world mm-hmm. and or we go to the ranch kitchen and we cook together and i mean to me you know that's all i've ever done is cooked but i get so excited to watch one of my fellow chefs sit there like what are you making it's uh, so it's it's just like you guys are doing. You're taking the time out of your busy schedules to highlight folks and to recognize good and positive energy and to set a tempo. And I applaud you both. This is really fun. I'm gonna look. I'm looking forward to tuning into the podcast. Thank and, you. And to hear about the other people that you go and find, and uh, I'll send some your way. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you it. And I wanted to say one more thing: is I'm very grateful that someone like you, because of this recent development with the Star on the Walk of Fame. You're a charitable guy. You, you're a giver. And you now have more of a platform than you had before. And I know there are plenty of people who have that platform and don't quite use it um, in the best of ways. And so it makes me feel really good to know that you have that position and that you'll be out there helping people. It matters a lot to Jerry well, and I. I, I that, that, means, that means everything. I mean, you don't do it for the accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to hear from somebody that they appreciate that. Uh, we stood there, you know... Uh, look at those, all those officers and all those firemen and everybody coming in and, and just looking at the look on their face when you give them a barbecue sandwich with some <laughs> pasta and a, and a cold water and they look at you and they, they don't know exactly what's going on. And you sit there and you have that little feeling. We had this was the greatest NASCAR event I've ever been to. It was the most fulfilling. And uh, so yeah, I, I share it with you. And I think that I hope what people when they listen to this, I hope it inspires them to um, walk across the street and pick up their neighbor's trash can. That's, that's it. It's the ripple effect. Random acts of kindness, baby. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thank you, guy. What a pleasure. Appreciate My it. Pleasure, Thanks for man. having thank us you in very your much, house. Man. This was this was awesome. You tell me when we're doing it again. Right. <laughs> He's coming back, guys. He needs to go get his pokey now, though. Go get your pokey. <laughs>
they, they when they come when they come away from that the place and the city is in a better place and guy is just about making things better for people that's the way i look at it he's such a real cool dude he's got the hairdo going on he's got everything he's got that buddha in the corner oh of when the- we walked in oh, I, I collect buddhas and i walked in and the first thing i saw was this maybe seven or eight foot tall buddha statue i think we'll have a photo in our show notes of us in front of it but I'm like I'm so into the Buddha, and then he's like, you know, as guy would be, hey, you, wait till you hear the story about that Buddha, <laughs> and you know, I was in China in front of a restaurant, and he says, you know, the guy says, oh, you like my Buddha, the, you know, the way yeah. I told the story, I could not, you know, duplicate, but he had this Buddha hand carved from one piece of wood for him, and then shipped to the U.S. But those things happen to good people. And Guy's a good person, and we are, again, thank you, Guy. Thank you to assist, his assistant, Sam, who was really helpful. We, we had a nice time with her, too. But I think this is a good start for season three. It set a nice precedent, and we're looking forward to bringing you more interviews with people doing good in all different ways. And we talk about this, Jerry. If you're listening, this is your podcast, too. It could be your neighbor. It could be someone in your community. You don't have to live near yeah. us. Email us, share your story. Yeah, because it's very important. It's like we want to highlight these people, and I think that they should be highlighted because it is about people doing good. It doesn't matter where you are. Get to us, we'll get to them, and we'll bring it to everybody that's listening. One last shout-out to Terra Firma Global Partners for sponsoring our podcast and to Shoes for Kids. Just so you know, 10% of all sponsorships and advertisements on our podcast go directly to Shoes for Kids, a nonprofit organization. Thank you for listening to the People Doing Good podcast. The Feel Good podcast. I'm Mariah Volk. And I'm Jerry Robinson. And we will see you next time. The People Doing Good podcast is brought to you by Shoes for Kids. For more info, visit shoesforkids.com. It is created and hosted by Mariah Volk and Jerry Robinson. Produced and edited by Charlene Goto of Goto Productions. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcast media. Follow on social media at One Good Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com. 